What's going on, guys? Welcome inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. You can follow me on Twitter at Rosvogel Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. Now, before we talk about this Saints-Bears game that's coming up on Sunday afternoon, it should be a really good NFC showdown. We're going to start off with some trade speculation, trade rumors going on. Um, the deadline's only two weeks away. The Rams got things started with a big acquisition of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they shipped away two first-round picks. I know you guys all heard about it by now. You had your comments. Uh, we all had. Personally, I've said before, I didn't think it was a good deal for the Rams uh, in the sense that their biggest need right now is help on the offensive line. Um, and although their secondary isn't great by any means, they're down to leave, down Peters, and down Johnson for the rest of the season. And yeah, you bring in Ramsey, but still holes elsewhere. But who cares about the Rams at this point? Let's talk about the Saints and what the Saints can do at the deadline to make their team better. Um, and I've said before, I didn't want the Saints to make a really big trade in the sense that they're giving away a first-round pick. Now they don't have a second this year. We all know that. Um, but to give away a first uh, would be really, really risky. So I wasn't for it. Um, now, that said, I really think that this team has a chance to improve their receiving corps. And one name that was floated out there, you saw Brian tweeted about it. Uh, Nader tweeted about it as well. It's Emmanuel Sanders. Now, I've talked about Sanders before. We all have because he's an interesting candidate. He's been on the block the last two years. Um, but here's where things stand. Denver's not going to trade him right now because they still feel like they're pushing for a wild card spot. I know at two and four, you're thinking, you know, no way you make the playoffs. In reality, if they win the next two games and they're at four and four, there's a pretty decent chance they'll fight for a sixth seed. So if you're the Broncos, it's all based on how you play over the next two weeks. Now, if you're a Saints fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously are, you want the Broncos to lose the next two games. You want them to sit at two and six and say, you know what? Got to trade Emmanuel Sanders. He's a productive veteran wide receiver. Cortland Sutton's growing into zone. Let's make the move. So I know people are asking about AJ Green. I know some people are actually asking about Devontae Parker. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is the guy for multiple reasons. One, he's going to be an expiring contract soon enough. Two, he's a really good veteran. And three, I think his game will complement Michael Thomas perfectly. You can move him in the slot. He can make plays down the field. Um, he's a very shifty wideout. And despite actually tearing his Achilles last season, he's been really good. You can use him on jet sweeps and end arounds. I think he's such a versatile player that in Sean Payton's system, he'll thrive at the number two spot. A.J. Green's a better wide receiver. So let me state that before you guys think that I'm getting it twisted. I know AJ's a better wide receiver. The problem with AJ is he's more expensive. He's going to be a free agent. So you, do you want to, you know, get him and then you might lose him in the offseason? And and more importantly than anything, he's injury prone, unfortunately. He's coming off another ankle injury now. Um, you know, we don't know what AJ's gonna be this year, actually. Uh look, all signs point to him being healthy for the end of the season and him making a nice run in the second half, but we don't know that. 
Sanders is playing right now at a pretty decent level with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. AJ Green has missed his team's first six games. And might I add, the Bengals clearly do a really good job of developing developing wide receivers because Tyler Boyd's been really good. So I think Green's an exceptional wideout. Just don't think that's the move the Saints need to make because Green will cost more than Emmanuel Sanders as well. Um, And if if you just put all the pieces together and connect the dots right now, the Bengals are asking for way too much for A.J. Green because there's interest. Vegas odds don't just shoot up for no reason. You don't hear rumors about trade speculation for no reason. Teams are calling about A.J. Green. They're asking for too much. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is the guy there, and, and it's just going to be a matter of what the Broncos do over the next two games and are the Saints willing to get into a little bit of a bidding war for him because the Packers are going to be interested, the Niners might be interested, and the Patriots might be interested to add some wide receiver help. So the Saints aren't going to be alone in that department, but Emmanuel Sanders looks to be like the guy that the Saints should shoot out for. Uh, now, before I talk about my prediction and key matchups about the Saints-Bears, let's just talk about injuries because it's going to be a big part for both teams, not just the Saints, the Bears as well. So while the Saints still have no breeze, no Traquan Smith, and with the injury report today, there's a chance no Alvin Kamara and also a chance no Jared Cook. I wouldn't panic about the Cook thing yet. Um, I think we would have got a comment about his status. There's a chance he just might be out today, and we'll see him tomorrow. Uh, mind you, I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. You're going to be listening to it on Thursday morning slash Thursday afternoon. We'll know on Thursday. I'll tweet about his status uh, as the week goes on, so I'll keep you guys updated. But for now, I'm not worried about Cook. Am I worried about Kamara? Yes, but I'll talk about later in the show why I'm, I'm okay with him totally sitting out this week against Chicago. So Saints could be down Breeze, Traquan Smith, and Kamara. The Bears could be down Trubisky, Akeem Hicks, and Kyle Long, who's uh, the the two that I just mentioned last, Hicks and Long, both put on injured reserve for the Bears, so their seasons could be over. Those are big losses because Hicks is, in my opinion, the second best uh, defensive lineman that the Bears have. I'm pretty sure most people would agree. Uh, We all know about Akeem. Was good with the Saints, but never really reached his full potential, so they ship him out uh, to New England for uh, Homan, Homanabo Nui, as we like to call him. But that didn't work out in New England that well. And then he goes to Chicago and he finds his role. And he's been really good for them. Him not being there, not only does it help the Saints in terms of pass protection on the interior, it's really big for the run game. That's a big hole there. And when he got injured, the Raiders exploited that hole with um, Josh Jacobs, rookie running back from Alabama, who's been fantastic. So we'll see if the Saints can do the same there on Sunday. And as for Kyle Long, the Bears have struggled with their pass protection so much this season. So now you don't have a Pro Bowl offensive guard to rely on. I think that's a big loss for them. And those are two guys who, when the Bears, you know, they pride themselves on being tough in the trenches, you lose those two players right there. It could affect the rest of your season, and we'll see on Sunday how they play. So both teams are going to be banged up going into this, and that's why I think it's going to be such an even matchup, uh, especially with the quarterback play, because although the Saints don't have Drew Brees, the Bears really don't know what they're doing right now because Trubisky's practicing, but they're not sure if he's ready. And Chase Daniels coming off a bad start against the Bear, uh, against the Raiders, excuse me. So Chicago isn't certain what's going to happen there. Um, from my personal opinion, I don't know if I really have a preference who the Saints play. I think Chase Daniel, Sean Payton knows them, uh, you know, inside out. So that is an advantage there. He's had him for years. Chase Daniel was the backup for Breeze for a while. And I think there's a good chance that Sean would really know, you know, how to dial it up and what he wants to do and uh, where they can attack Chase Daniel. On the other hand, Trubisky, he's more, you know, 
there's a good chance that he's going to turn over the ball than Chase Daniel. I think Chase Daniel could turn over the ball too, but Trubisky, I think, takes more chances and is a little bit, uh, you know, a little careless with the football. Whereas Chase Daniel knows his role. He's a game manager. He doesn't try to force the issue. I think Trubisky, it's there for the taking, and he's also not good under pressure, and he can't throw to the left side of the football field. So can't throw to the left side of the football field, and there's a chance Marshawn can lock up the other side. It makes a big difference. So I think that's definitely going to be something interesting to watch on Sunday. Who ends up playing for the Bears, we'll know in the coming days. Probably Friday, I think, Chicago will announce. But either way, it's going to be interesting to see who's under center for Chicago. Now, I'm going to talk about the key matchups and my prediction and also bold take for this upcoming game before the Saints and the Bears. But all that is coming up right after this message. And welcome back into the second half of Big Easy in the Big Apple. So we went over Saints trade rumors with Emmanuel Sanders being the likely target and talked about the injury report for both sides. Um, Saints and Bears a little banged up heading into this matchup. Now, let's get into the key one-on-ones that are going to decide who wins this game. And the first one I'm going to start off with is a pretty standard one. It's become a, uh, uh, you know, a common theme here. On this podcast, it's whoever Marshawn Lattimore ends up covering. And in this particular case, it's going to be Allen Robinson, who's been really good for the Bears over the last couple of weeks. Now, Robinson got paid the big bucks to come to Chicago and open up their offense. And it's been a little tough with Trubisky, and rightfully so. He's not the most accurate quarterback. He's still young. But Robinson, over the last two weeks, granted all that work coming with Chase Daniel, has been really effective Take the last two weeks, combine 14 receptions for 174 yards and two TDs. That's big time. So seven catches in each game, um, literally uh, over 70 plus yards in each one and two touchdowns in his last game against the Raiders. Now, mind you, the Raiders don't have a great secondary. And in my opinion, I don't think the Vikings at this stage with Xavier Rhodes have a corner that can keep up with Robinson the way Lattimore could. So let's flip it over to Marshawn. Let's see what he's been doing. Marshawn, similar to Allen Robinson, is coming off his best stretch of the season. He's dominated against Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and DJ Chark. With Chark, who, you know, might be one of the best receivers in football this year, he even looked confused out there. Um, and it's tough to get past Marshawn. So if Marshawn keeps playing at this level, and I'm sure he will, it's going to be a 4 o'clock game. It's going to be nationally televised for the most part. Um, I think outside of people in California, you're going to be watching the Chicago-New Orleans game. Marshawn's going to come ready to play. And if he can shut down Allen Robinson... That changes the whole thing. I think Eli Apple can do a pretty decent job with someone like uh, Anthony Miller. And then we look at Taylor Gabriel, who I think is going to draw an assignment from maybe Patrick Robinson, who's filling in for PJ Williams, who's suspended for two games. So I think the secondary actually matches up pretty well with the Bears receiving core. Remember, it's not the best receiving core, but I think they have experience against Gabriel because of his Falcons days. You know that Marshawn can, on his best day, take out Allen Robinson and just neutralize him. So it comes down to how do they stop Anthony Miller? How do they stop Taylor Gabriel? Um, but we only get to that point if Marshawn can do his job against Allen Robinson. I think he's going to be able to. I think Allen Robinson is a really good receiver. But if Marshawn plays the way he's played the last three weeks, he's going to shut him down because you have to remember, is Allen Robinson better than Amari Cooper? No. Is he better than Mike Evans? No. And is he better than DJ Chark, at least the way Chark's playing this year? Probably not. So I think advantage Marshawn in that category. We're going to see how that unfolds on Sunday afternoon. 
Let's flip it to the other side. Let's reverse the roles here. Michael Thomas versus Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller has had a nice, you know, revitalized career in Chicago. What he's been able to do with Vic Fangio and now Chuck Pagano's defense has been really good. And he's a, a pretty good corner. He's one of the 15 best corners in football, in my opinion. Probably top 10. I was probably lowballing it by saying top 15. But Michael Thomas is a different breed. Michael Thomas is a player who time in, time out, puts up big numbers. And even when the Saints offense stalls, he just continues to dominate. His worst performance of the season this year is five catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. He's had at least five receptions in every single game. And over the last three games, he's had at least eight receptions. That's how good he's been. Saints offense, they didn't play well against Dallas. Well, Michael Thomas had nine catches for 95 yards. Well, last week in Jacksonville, they struggled. Michael Thomas had eight catches for 89 yards. Regardless of what the offense does as a whole, Michael Thomas continues to produce at an elite level. He's shown that he's worth every penny of that five-year, $100 million contract he received in the offseason. So now Michael's got to earn the big bucks. There might not be no Kamara. He's going to be up against Fuller. If Michael Thomas wins that matchup. It changes the whole defense. At the very least, he's going to draw extra attention. You can get Eddie Jackson out of the picture, and it could open up the offense. Now, it's not ideal to say that Michael Thomas might get double teamed by a Bears defense that's pretty good, but you have to remember, Saints don't have many options. So if you're going to take away Eddie Jackson from that Bears defense, could open holes for Ted Ginn to get past the defense. Could open holes for Jared Cook if he plays to be open down the field. And it looks like the Saints have been using Cook more. So that would be intriguing. So there's going to be options there. And I think the Saints offense will find ways. But it all starts with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas could win his one-on-one. He's going to change the way this whole Bears defense operates. Because the Bears want to have Fuller out there by himself with Michael Thomas. And if he can't hold up with him, it doesn't look like he can in terms of the way Mike's been playing over the last couple of weeks. It's going to change the way Pagano wants to call that defense. So that's going to be really interesting. And at the very least, and this is the last thing I'll say about Michael Thomas right here, what he does is provide a safety net for Teddy Bridgewater. Third down, look for Michael Thomas. You need to just keep the chains moving, look for Michael Thomas. Need a completion to avoid a sack, look for Michael Thomas. Should continue to work, and I think it will when they head up in the Windy City. Now, let's get in the trenches. And I think this actually might be where this game comes down to. How does the Saints defensive line play against an O-line of the Bears that is now without Kyle Long. The Bears O-line hasn't been great this year. It's been mediocre at best. The Saints D-line is sixth in sacks, and we're we're seeing what they're doing. And I actually think Gardner Minshew, and I know this might sound like an overreaction, the Saints played Gardner Minshew, and I think Minshew's a better quarterback than Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky. And I know people are going to say, ah, it's early. No, he's been playing quarterback better than both of them. And the Saints were able to neutralize him. Now, they didn't get a lot of sacks, but Minshew, one, gets the ball out quick because he's smart. He dumps it off when he needs to. And two, Minshew's got a little bit of elusiveness to him. He's not you know, very agile, uh, but he can get around. And he's done a good job avoiding sacks. That might not be the case on Sunday when they play the Bears. Chase Daniel got sacked four times against the Raiders last time they played. And I think the Saints can get four to five sacks on Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky on Sunday. And if they can it's going to be a reverse effect of what we're talking about with the Bears defense. If the Saints can get after Trubisky slash Chase Daniel, whoever ends up being the quarterback, their defense is going to be in great shape because now you're going to apply pressure on them and you're eventually going to force whoever's the quarterback at the time into a couple mistakes. I know Chase Daniel likes to play it safe, but you can only get hit too many times before you end up throwing a couple of interceptions. So I think that's the key for the Saints. A good defense travels everywhere. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they've traveled to Seattle, they've traveled to Jacksonville, they're getting it going. Now, can they travel to Chicago against a defensive-minded football team and play their style of football and win? 
That's the question. And we'll get the answer, obviously, in a couple of days. But if the D-line does show up, I think at the very least, you're looking at a game that's coming down to the final possessions. That's how important it is to have a good D-line. The teams that are succeeding right now in the NFL, they're great on defense. 49ers, great on defense. Patriots, great on defense. The Saints, over the last four games, why have they won? Because of their defense. Defense travels in the NFL. Travels from week one all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think with this D-line, with Cam Jordan, Davenport taking that next step, Rankins getting back into shape, Malcolm Brown, who's been a huge addition, they're getting there. And then you sprinkle in on Yamada. You sprinkle in Trey Hendrickson, who might play on Sunday and return from his neck injury. This D-line could be a force in Chicago. And if you can stop that passing attack and, and be able to stop the run like they always do, I don't know how the Bears beat you. And all you're asking for Teddy to do is not turn over the football. And that's what he does best. So I think that's the strategy right there. So we'll see if that D-line can get through and get after Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky on Sunday. But the most important and the key pivotal matchup in my eyes outside of the D-line getting after the Bears opposing quarterback is Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead against Khalil Mack. Once again, Khalil Mack's doing what Khalil Mack does. He's being an absolute terror for opposing offenses. He's got four and a half sacks through five games. He's got three forced fumbles. And yeah, his numbers don't scream MVP like they did last year, but he's been so good. And what Ramchek has done, and similar to Armstead over the last couple weeks, but especially Ramchek, Ramchek's neutralized the best defender. J.J. Watt did nothing. Shaq Barrett, nothing. Dante Fowler didn't hear anything about him. You even go last week, um, you go against Seattle, excuse me, they did nothing there. We can go this past week against Jacksonville, didn't hear anything. I mean, the only sack that really, you know, bothered people was a coverage sack because Teddy didn't throw it when he had Austin Carr over the middle of the field. So Ramchek and Armstead have done a great job of neutralizing opposing defensive lines. And we know how good the Bears can be, but without Akeem Hicks, it puts more pressure on Khalil Mack to be this great dominating force that he is. But if Ramchek can take out Khalil Mack, not only does it mean that he really is the best offensive tackle in football, it also means the Saints are probably going to win that game because if you take out Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks is already out of the equation, Teddy's not going to be under as much pressure as people think. The only way the Bears will get after them is if they dial up a couple of blitzes with Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. And if they do that, though, you're kind of leaving your back end to hang on with Michael Thomas, with Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, if he does play. So there's a risk that you run there. And I think Ramchek has been so good and not talked about because the NFL doesn't really care what offensive linemen uh, do. I, I know fans get into it, and, and I commend them for it. Looking at the tape, it's impressive to watch them. But the NFL is a flashy league now, so they don't tip their cap to guys in the trenches that are getting their hands dirty and stopping great pass rushers like Khalil Mack. But if Saints do that, just like I said, their pass rush needs to get after it. If you stop the Bears' pass rush, you're dominating in the trenches. And that's the way Chicago wins football games. So you have to beat Chicago at their own game. And to be honest, the Saints are playing that game better than Chicago has this year. That was Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio's formula to get to 11-5 and get to the playoffs last year. They're trying it again this year, but they're realizing it's not that easy to do it twice. Things change. And for the Saints, their defense, remember, struggled the first 8-10 games of the season last year. Now they're coming out, and they look like one of the best units in football. So if the Saints' defensive line gets after it, and the Saints' offensive line can neutralize Khalil Mack, without his running mate and Akeem Hicks on the field on Sunday, those are two points where it's like, if those happen, this team's going to win in Chicago. 
Now there are both they're both big ifs, obviously. But if those two things get settled, this Saints team is going to walk out of Chicago with a win. So it's going to be interesting. And mind you, because of the way this game is going to be physical, running the football hard, stopping opposing pass rushers, getting after the quarterback. You didn't hear me mention what Teddy Bridgewater has to do because I don't think this game's going to be on Teddy. I think at the very least, it's going to be one of those games where you're like, all right, Teddy, can you give us 200 passing yards and a touchdown? That's what we're going to be asking for because this game's going to be a grind-out type, you know, fought hard, every yard counts, every first down counts, every turnover counts. It's going to be that important. The Bears are coming off a bye. They're going to be in desperation mode. They can't fall to 3-3. Three and three. And I'm not saying the Saints can always afford a loss, but the Saints in this case can afford a loss way more than the Bears. But on the flip side, if you're the Saints, six and one looks pretty darn good. So obviously it works both ways. The Bears are going to come in desperate. But the Saints have been playing with house money. And the way the Saints have been playing, you keep thinking they're not at their best football yet. I think what we got caught up in last year was that the Saints peaked early. And we didn't want to admit it. And granted, they still should have made the Super Bowl. They did peak early, though. Their best games happened in October and September. And well, not really September, but October and early November. And we're like, man, this team's flying high. And then they kind of dipped down. This team is in mid-October and they have not even played near their best football yet, but they're five and one. So I think when that happens, there's no letdown game. There's no trap game because they're always trying to improve. And that's why I think this game's going to be close. And what it's going to come down to is, like I said, can your O-line get the job done? Can your D-line get the job done? Um, and I think the Saints will. I'm predicting the Saints to win this game by a score of 16 to 10. I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. I think we're going to see a touchdown and three field goals from this offense. Um, and I think the, the star of this game offensively, besides Ramchek and Armstead, if they get the job done like I think they can, it's going to be Latavius Murray. I think Kamara is going to be active, but I bet the Saints don't use him. I think it's one of those things where we want them to you know, prepare for him and, and game plan to stop 41. But we're really going to use Latavius Murray, number 28, and let him get after it. Murray's got you know good history against the, the Bears. Played with the Vikings last year. He was able to go get up against them. He's a physical back, and he's coming off his best game with the Saints. I think Sean Payton saw last week that, you know what? Murray wasn't a failed signing. I think we got something in him. He's going to have a good game, in my opinion. I think he's going to have a touchdown, the only touchdown for the Saints, but I think that only touchdown is going to be enough. I think this defense is playing so well that I can't see them giving up more than 10 to 13 points against the Bears, at least the way the Bears have been playing. Um, and I think with Bridgewater, he's not great, but he's good enough to get the job done. He doesn't turn over the football. And when Murray's running the football hard and the Saints are playing good defense, all they're going to ask Teddy to do is move the chains and don't do too much. Just do what he can do and just get completions like Drew tells him. Uh, check it down if he has to, and they'll be fine. I, I really do. I think the Saints team's going to win 16-10. to 10. That would get them to 6-1. to six and one. And you just keep looking at stacking wins, stacking wins without Breeze yet. And maybe even without Kamara, if that happens on Sunday. So it'd be really impressive. If they win in Chicago, I honestly think this team is destined for something really special. I already think they're a playoff caliber team, uh, and I have very high thoughts of them. But if you can win in Chicago without Breeze, without potentially Kamara, what can't you do? And I think it's also a good test for the playoffs if you had to go into a place like Green Bay. So either way, I think it's going to be a really important game. Uh, it's not the end of the world of Saints lose at all against Chicago. It's not. Um, but if you can beat them with your backup quarterback, 
really does say a lot. Um, and it's going to say a lot about the defense. Can you beat Chicago at their own game? That's going to be the question. And I think the answer is going to be yes. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. You can always support the podcast if you like what you're hearing. And remember, a new episode will come out after the Saints game against the Bears. should be out Monday morning slash Monday uh, afternoon. So you guys will hear a recap of that. But let me know what you guys think about this game. Do you think the Saints are going to go into the Windy City and pick up a fifth straight W? Or think they're going to finally go in the loss column there with Teddy Bridgewater? Let me know what you think. Have a great rest of your week. And let's hope the Saints get that win on Sunday.